Um, in one of the videos, I'm even pretending to play violin <laughs> because because the real violinist couldn't come. So so it's actually not me on the recording. That's some fun tip that you can leak somewhere. Journal <laughs> kind of story um, that that's inspired the writer of Lord of, of the Rings, you know, and it's inspired so many um, modern day kind of fantasy books and writers. Um, so Singing Revolution, yeah, it's a Europop inspired musical with Europop score. And um, and I think it's a very energizing, energizing music created for, for this market here to tell a historic, you know, inspired by historic events, a story that talks about keeping your culture alive despite the oppressive regime that, uh, you know, Soviet Union regime was. It, it, it highlights the family values that I think so many Estonians keep to their heart. Um, that culture isn't something that needs to, even so even if you're not allowed to wave your flag proudly, Culture lives on within your family and within your heart, and it's the it's the folklore songs or it's certain traditions, certain sayings, and I think that's really what the musical encapsulates really nicely. Aloha, my beautiful friends. On the other side of the screen or earplugs, thank you very much for being here. My name is Krista Ralaxmidetan, coming to you from San Diego, California. And I call myself New Time Coach. I believe that each one of us has a treasure box inside. And once we open it, we can uh, fully start to manifest our inner fairy tales into the dreams in this world on our terms. And welcome to this week's episode, which will be a follow-up episode with Valev Laube. And if you didn't um, listen to the first one uh, or watch the first one, there will be a connected link in the notes here. So you can uh, find it and go back or you can go to Botbean and scroll back until you find um, the previous episode. Enjoy this episode. It will be so much fun. And um, as always, like, share, review and download. Mahalo. So now let's uh, dive a little deeper into um, the business world and entrepreneurship. And I kind of like the way you almost like introduce the topic saying as an entrepreneur, you have to take care and also be on that uh, top post notch uh, energy all the time and figure out like, okay, what's next? What's next? So you have things rolling all the time. I would like to ask about three different projects and then yes. we, we will go into some um, uh, tips and tools also, which we discovered um, prior to this meeting, which will be very exciting. So, yeah. so hang on. <laughs> so first one is the Estonian uh, culture days. Um, I just heard once you um, and you had some other, you had like really amazing team of people there. And you guys, um, it almost felt like you reawakened. Uh, this tradition has been long. It's like 48 or nine or I, I think around 50 years old now. And you guys uh, came on board and uh, reawakened that. And I could see in social media, like what you guys did, like all the <laughs> videos and promotion and so on. Um, how was this for you? How how were you brought into this? And um, what what did these experiences uh, give to you? What did you learn about yourself and your craft? 
Yeah, it's it was a fun it was a fun project I would say. It wasn't it was it was at the same time when I was um here in New York working for a design company and when when I worked for clients such as uh, as you mentioned Steve Madden and Kenneth Cole and we even did some I mean now I can kind of say it but we did some concept things for Star uh, Starbucks and it it was a very you know a very very different even compared to now what I do, it was a, it was a very traditional kind of graphic design job where um, you just, you know, you get various client projects and you try to do your best and put together this big portfolio for each client and, and hope that, you know, they get picked. And, and it's really cool to see afterwards, of course, if, if some of those designs get printed and, and you see people, you know, you walk around the city and you see people kind of either wearing them or you see it um, on billboards. So it's, that's that's kind of where I was at the time, doing a very kind of normal designer uh, work job. Um, and then I was approached by um, a friend of a friend, actually. Uh, again, our mutual friend, Dina, and then Kati Nopritsson, who was, who had just, she just came from Estonia, I think, at the time. And they, her and her husband, they, they lived in New York at the time. And she was... You know, as somebody who was um, who just came here, she obviously first went to the Estonian house, and and then she learned about this old tradition and and the house, and you know everything that's you know there associated with the Estonian community here in New York. Um, and she was, and then she wanted to kind of resurrect this old festival tradition. I think so. She was the one who had all the big plans. I I I was I was just the person who kind of made it hopefully pretty and made it accessible for people. So that was, that was kind of my, my role in there just to make, to bring more awareness to this, uh, to the festival at the time and, and to do all the graphics and, and social media and, and figure out, you know, kind of digitize the whole tradition, make the tickets uh, or the donations available online so that people could donate and, and find information and create these communication channels. Um, so it was really one of, I would say it was one of the first, first like big projects where I did everything that now I provide under my own company. So it was maybe like an early case study. Yeah. <laughs> this round. And you and even yeah, had, that was, yeah, and you even had was, like the Seto uh, group uh, performing mm-hmm. there. And my grandfather is actually from that area. So I was like, it was so exotic to see them dancing on the streets of New York. Yes, yes. And that that was, again, you see, like that was the fun part because I, when I studied violin, I mean, my sister is a, is a folk musician. So I, I have... Again, that connection there that, you know, we would go to various dance events and learn about the Seto culture, which is kind of like a subculture of Estonia. Um, and they have their own dialect and, and amazing, you know, specific clothes, clothing and and so much, you know, almost not not completely different culture, but it's kind of culture on its own within already a small, small country. Um so the Estonian cultural days, yeah, that was that was interesting. And and the way that I got involved initially was that Kadri learned, got to know on YouTube, I believe, that I play violin. And that year, the first year of 2016, they didn't really have anything kind of folksy and fun. So they had some, they had a couple of lectures and, you know, a really great program. I don't even remember if they had a main performer at the time yet for that year. 
Um, and she came to me and she was like, you know, do you want to play violin? Because I saw your videos and I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know any guitarists here and I haven't really been performing much and you know, all that stuff. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, let's, let's try to put together something. So at the end, it, it ended up being the same. Uh, well, I collaborated with a viola player who we also, we did a concert at the national gallery a few years after that, but um, in DC and, and it turned into a really great collaboration. And then Katri and I, you know, we, we had become such good friends and occasionally have like, you know, a glass of wine after work and I'm stressed out about my work. <laughs> so then, so then I would talk about that and she was stressed out about the cultural days and getting, you know, things figured out. And then I just kind of wanted to help her a little bit with social media. And then it grew into a role where, you know, I, I ended up kind of doing the website and visuals and the following year, all the digital kind of donation systems and emailing and promotion and reach, reach out and all that stuff. So it kind of, again, it grew, like it wasn't, it wasn't that there was a job application, you know, because the whole mm -hmm. festival was, you know, zero budget and Kadri did an amazing job pulling in all the grants and things to get performers to come here to New York. And then following years, we would consult a little bit with each other, like, oh, who could be fun performers? And the last third year, what was that, 2018? Yeah, that's when when um, she she told me that, hey, there's this set of, you know, singers and, and there's even some Estonian, like, theater um, actresses who are part of that singing group. So mm -hmm. we could kind of do like two in one so they could come yeah. and perform. And then maybe we could also then get, um, get the theater to come here and do like a theater drama performance. Um, so we don't have to, you know, essentially, you know, pay that many people to come. There's some overlap. Um, and then I was like, yeah, that's amazing idea. And, and we got, yeah, we got the set of, um, singers and then we did we turned it into a whole kind of music video type of project so we went to Brooklyn and you know recorded them and we brought along um, some contemporary dancers here from New York who did um, who then choreographed Tina, Tina our good friend right so she choreographed a contemporary dance piece which was inspired by traditional dance um, mm -hmm. so it was a really fun kind of co-creation you know, yeah Estonia like existing far away and yet still you know inspiring mm -hmm. the cultural roots inspiring contemporary you know creativity mixed with something that is so kind of sacred and traditional now brought to new york so it was a really really cool dynamic um and the way they kind of harmonized and the energies i mean they were they were awesome like they had they have brought their traditional kind of drinks which which are always homemade again old tradition right and we were there and it was cold and sometimes the women they were like oh let's have a let's have a little drink you know let's do a break and a little drink of our traditional you know drink and and it was just so so much fun such a cool you know same culture but kind of diversity or or variety within a single culture yeah and what's really cool about it, I don't know if you know it, but Anna Vesar, who was one of yeah. the actresses, is actually somehow related to me through my grandmother. Oh, oh so, I have no idea. I yeah, no so idea. that was so cool. I saw all the posts because she's my friend on Facebook, so I saw her post in New York too. <laughs> yeah, and eventually so, I took out my violin. I mean, we knew that that was going to be our last year organizing because Katri went back to Estonia 
And I was here, but I just, I felt like I had to move on and started working on my company and stuff. Um, so, so we knew that that was going to be our final year. So it kind of came full circle because during like the after party or we had like a jam session event organized where like I brought my violin, um, the seto singers, they would sing and dance and teach dances. Uh, and then they had an instrumentalist obviously as well. Then we had we had an Estonian drummer here. Like then we just like jammed that night all together. So full yeah. circle from the first year of performing to last year just jamming with all other traditional folk musicians. Yeah, fun. very cool. <laughs> fun memories. And it's such a beautiful example again, abundance in action. You know, when group of people come together and you have brainstorming and one person's skills and talents are, you know, weaved together with another one, like beautiful things happen. And this is one thing which I feel um, us as Estonians, um, when I was back in Estonia, it, it was so hard sometimes to do that collaboration thing. And as I've been outside, it's much easier, doesn't matter who, with whom. Um, and that, I think, is also connected to our cultural wound that, you know, we were just overridden by so many countries so many years right. that it's just that carefulness uh, there. But um, yeah. I'm just yeah, so delighted to hear your story are about humble. that. I mean, we're just humble people and culturally it's not seen, it's not very celebrated to brag about kind of yourself or what you do. So I think Estonians in Estonia, they don't, you know, they really, they really, you know, function this way, which is totally fine. And I think it's a very healthy environment to be in. Um, while, while, you know, here in the United States, if you want to, if you want to create like a cultural festival or make that video performance stand out, you have to kind of brag a little bit. It's just, it's again, introducing one culture in another culture's context, which it, it comes with its, its own challenges. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so now um, also another amazing project which you were part of um, was the Kalevala um, project, which um, which was brought to Broadway, right? So it, it's not brought to Broadway. It's again an upcoming Broadway production. So it's okay. so when it comes to like the VL studios, it's 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 again fun that I get to work on multiple kind of creative productions such as Kalevala and there's the Singing Revolution musical and the In Proximity Theatre Company. Um, so that, you know, I always get like a good mixture of different clients because then I also have clients, you know, who are, um, there's an investment firm, uh, wealth investment, wealth management company, you know, and law firm. So it's it's a fun mix to be working on something that's so creative and new that's really upcoming um, almost like grassroots kind of movement um, and and balance these two things. But yeah, Kalevala is an upcoming Broadway production. Um, so currently, obviously currently nothing happens because nothing, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly, you know, what are the kind of business details, but I got involved there um, when I already had kind of established myself as a freelancer. So then I was contacted to do their, the website and now at this point really what we've done is we launched um two different like well a music video and then like a full-on introductory video which i directed um and then i've been involved in some of the productions of some of these music tracks 
Um, in one of the videos, I'm even pretending to play violin because because the real violinist couldn't come. So so it's actually not me on the recording. That's some fun tip that you can leak somewhere. <laughs> but it's not me on the recording actually. But um, but they just needed a violinist to kind of be there in the video. So I brought my violin and, and there's my hand. Um, so and and yeah, and then I ended up directing those and and we did. Um, we did, I think, what was it, three or four different, um, like, reading events. So there was a, right before the lockdown, we did an industry. So the industry works in a funny way. We could do a whole other podcast about this. But but the last one was, was an official, you know, equity reading um, with actual equity actors and producers. And they come and listen to to the piece and to the, you know, to the story and, and to get a sense of the book and then to potentially sign either the production or invest. So that's kind of where I think where they are at the moment. Um, and yeah, so it, it was again a fun collaboration because it's such an eternal kind of story um, that that's inspired the writer of Lord of, of the Rings, you know, and it's inspired so many Mm, modern day kind of fantasy books and writers um, yet at least American audiences don't know much about Kalevala um, and it is really the you know northern mythological you know again treasure that's um, that's maybe not very well known directly but but indirectly very familiar I think to American audiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also one uh, big wave or uh, ripple uh, was actually created also by the Broadway director, Tony Spinoza, who is now um, bringing to life the uh, new musical uh, about the singing revolution. And it has been actually called Peaceful Resistance uh, yeah. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. Uh, so can you say some words about that? Like what's your part in that? And I saw some videos and um, people talking about it. It sounds like very exciting. I also saw uh, some choreography about it. And uh, of course, it's very different what we Estonians would kind of imagine. But mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing uh, way to introduce our culture and our story and history to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, of course. And I, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Tony, obviously, but um, because I'm my involvement is, again, as a brand manager. So all the visuals that you kind of see, um, my task initially when I was contacted by Tony, and we've again known each other for, for some time, um, actually through the Estonian Cultural Days, I think that's where we first met. Um, so my initial task was to listen to the music and and figure out what could be the the brand and the visual representation of this production and how to bring it to American audiences and um, and then of course the web design that went with it and then the social media and then together we we came up with the initial social media strategy and plan to to publicly start you know creating momentum and community around it. Um, because with like with many many Broadway productions, I mean, I, I know firsthand um, from my well, secondhand from from my clients, I know that you know there's productions that take ten years, and there's productions that take four years, and there's productions that get made in six months, and and all of these they they have very different stories, but in almost any case, it's important to have that online community already, just because like with any other business 
having the following and having the passion behind it um, is is a value and especially in entertainment world. So being able to prove that. So that's kind of how I got involved. Um, so Singing Revolution, yeah, it's a Europop inspired musical with Europop score. And um, and I think it's a very energizing, energizing music created for for this market here to tell a historic, you know, inspired by historic events, a story that talks about keeping your culture alive despite the oppressive regime that the you know Soviet Union regime was. Um, keeping it alive, um, there's um, if you, I think, I don't want to say too much because I can't, but I think if you read the script on the website, you'll see that the story is really, it, it, it highlights the family values that I think so many Estonians keep to their heart. Um, that culture isn't something that needs to, even, so even if you're not allowed to wave your flag proudly, culture lives on within your family and within your heart and it's the it's the folklore songs or it's certain traditions, certain sayings, and I think that's really what the musical encapsulates really nicely. Um, and of course, it has all the historic uh, major events that took place in the you know late '80s and early '90s in Estonia, such as you know the Tompea um, Tower kind of protection, where really young you know adults they will go and protect the tower and and for the first time when they switched out the flag from the soviet flag to estonian one such a you know major event or the night song festival you know when when tens of thousands of people gathered and and started singing these songs of national importance um without sometimes without even any conductor um, just because these are songs that have been passed down, and and there were also a lot of you know new songs by Alomatis and then many other Estonian composers at the time. Um, but it, it, I think the musical, the story is is amazing, and especially t- taking the current times and what's happening in the US and what's happening around the world. Right, there's a lot of uh, you know unease um, in political spectrum. Um, telling a story that says that you know doesn't matter where you align politically um the, the culture lives on and it lives in your heart and i think that's also what brought estonians together and that's really i think where all of us doesn't matter where we come from where we should find the sense of unity that it's really the culture it's not it's not you know the color of your skin or the political you know views but it's it's about respect it's about the core values the human values that we all have um, so I, I really look forward to it. At the moment, it's um, the world premiere is currently scheduled for uh, spring 2021. Let's hope that it, you know, things get stay okay uh, that we manage to beat this um, this virus. But um, currently, it's yeah, scheduled for spring 2021 uh, in LA. And then after that, we'll see then when we can bring it to New York or when they um, or potentially do a national tour. Um, it's really, you know, we'll take it from there. But at the moment, yeah, it's the, the by the time this podcast goes live, the the new music video should be out, which is also um, half Estonian and half English. And the Estonian verse actually, uh, it's it the name is never forget who you are, and the Estonian verse really uh, reveals what are the core values that you know this character is there singing about. Um, 
So, so yeah, check it out. There's, there's also the first single that, that was released, I think a year ago now with Neil Haskell, who's actually a Broadway performer has been in multiple Broadway shows here, including like Hamilton and, um, oh, well, Hamilton is currently at, but I well check it out. And then he was also at, so you think you can dance. He was one of the, I think top four finalists there. Um, so really a great performer and kind of well-known performer here. Um, and, and it was, it was so great to have him in the studio and, and collaborate and, and, you know, record this kind of in studio music video type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds very exciting. And thank you so much to uh, go so deep, like also culturally and, you know, all of those, like, you know, what, what's the meaning of it uh, on mm-hmm. a deeper scale, which is so dear to my heart, you know, as an Estonian living outside, but also in general, I think each one of us doesn't matter where we come from. We need to, yeah. you know, um, connect to those core values and uh, keep intact because that's one thing which will keep us going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why you know Tony has done an excellent job, re kind of um, packaging this unique story in a way that people who haven't been to Estonia they could still relate to and learn from. Because there's so many cultural things that, you know, to us Europeans, I'm sure when you move to the U.S., you were at first like, oh, I don't understand why they're doing this or why they're saying this. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that are, that are so deeply rooted in culture that it, it, it's, you cannot teach anybody a culture within, yeah. you know, two or three yeah. hours of a Broadway show. So he's done really a great job of making the story accessible and and understandable so that I, I think if, you know, when you see it, you'll be able to take away um, something and you'll be able to understand why Estonians at the time did what they, what they did and, and, and how, how, you know, how it came together peacefully, exactly. Like protesting without, you know, a shed of blood um, left behind. So, you know, it's obviously it's only it's it's only one side. There's also a lot of other you know Estonians who did another a bunch of other things, but it really showcases how you know us as regular people who are not politicians, who are not soldiers or whatever, that we can still do so much to to you know raise our voices and 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 showcase unity and showcase resistance um, through music and through culture. Yeah, so beautiful. Thank you so much. That's just like, I feel like fed <laughs> yeah. as a social anthropologist. So thank you so much. And to wrap it up, you have actually offered um, a really cool part, which is we take it to another level, like kind of like a mini course with Valad here. Uh, so what would be those first uh, steps if you as a, a small business owner would like to take your um, business now into the digital world. And uh, we thought it through. We actually tested it also. And we will also share some things here on the screen. So later, once you have heard the audio version of the uh, podcast, you can also check out the video version. And then you can also see in detail what um, Valev is um, actually teaching and what, what, what he means with it. So... Um, so what do so, you yeah. think would be those first uh, steps? Um, you have now had major um, experiences during the epidem- epidemic here uh, mm-hmm. with people and their businesses, and you have 
some really good uh, pointers. Yeah. So first of all, well, yeah. So, so when it comes to, you know, me and my company, what we do now, the VL studio, yeah, as you said, it's a New York based um, branding, creative design and marketing company. So one of the most recent things that I introduced as one of our services is consultation. So it's a brand consultation. And as part of this podcast, we're, you know, glad to, to offer also a complimentary consultation for anybody listening. Um, usually now during the pandemic months, we're, we're doing a 20 minute complimentary consultation. You can just go to the website, thevlstudios.com and get it under services. And there, there's a button that says schedule consultation. Um, so that is currently free, I think until next year. So during the pandemic, but to anybody listening, um, we're actually happy to offer a little bit longer session. So maybe 45 minutes or, or maybe if, if, you know, if it's, um, conducive and, and productive, maybe even an hour consultation to anybody who's, who, who needs some help or has some questions. Um, so as part of the consultation, um, you know, you can, listeners can come in with, with particular questions about either their branding, their current web presence. Um, we can take a look at the website and see how you could improve it on your own. Or, or you know, obviously I'm here to help but but there's also many small things that that you can do. So one of one of the first things when it comes to web design that I always want people to think about it is is first of all think about four, four different categories. Where does your inbound traffic come from? So how are you bringing people into your website? Because as a web designer, I'm very realistic and, and I do also marketing and I, I tell people very directly that you can have the prettiest website on earth and if nobody visits it, you're not making an impact. So where does your traffic come from? What are those channels and what are the first contact points to your brand or company? So when we look at today, you know, restaurants, for example, their first point, point of contact might be their Yelp page or maybe their Google Maps presence. It might not even be Instagram or Facebook. So in that case, you know, those are the highest priority to get figured out. So that when once the visitor gets to the website, the experience continues. The your experience doesn't begin with the website. The experience begins with a link, with an email, with Google for Business presence or Google Maps presence or Yelp presence. Um, so first of all, think about your inbound traffic. Where are they coming from? What are the platforms? Where do, does your community exist? So if you have a professional services type of business, I even suggest sometimes reaching out to Yahoo Answers or Quora pages and becoming a thought leader in, in those communities that are already there. You just have to reach out and become a part of it and become a leader and then direct them to you. So, so that's the inbound traffic, and there's so much more to talk about this. Schedule a consultation, we'll go all in. Um, the next step is outreach channels. So how are you now keeping your community um, interactive, happy, pleased, you know, satisfied with kind of what you're offering here? So on social media, my little tip is the 80-20 rule. When you're doing your social media and you have a service that you're selling or a product you're selling, nobody will interact or feel what's the right word? They feel gratitude for seeing your advertisements in their wall all the time. That's not what generates interactions. 80% of your content should be something authentic, genuine, relatable. 
Sometimes it means if you're a solo entrepreneur, um, sometimes it means, hey, I'm taking my walk, you know, dog for a walk at the moment and posting a photo. Or, you know, I just came back from this event and this is what happened and I was so inspired and you make a post about this. So something that is just from your everyday life, you can link it to some of your services, but don't make it salesy. It's just that people need to feel like you care about them and and it's a mutual transaction there. And then 20% you can throw in either advertisements or or direct promotion of certain services, explaining and making it more clear what those services are. So an example of, for example, what I do sometimes is through my newsletters, I would send out months or every other month a an email with all the tips and tricks. For example, right now I'm seeing you know, during the pandemic, restaurants, um, how could restaurants or hospitality industry improve their, you know, um, interaction scores or increase their sales? And and that means, you know, really updating your Google for Business account. If you don't have one, sign up and put your COVID update information up there. Um, and that's, that applies to any business, really. Um, get your Yelp, Yelp integrations, get your analytics integrations there. Um, so, so I send out this sorts of information. And again, what I'm saying there is I'm not promoting, hey, this is what I do, but it's more about, hey, this is what you could do. Or, or you know, since I'm in the space and I've done it for so many years and I you know, continue to grow also on an everyday basis, I can help you with that as well. So it's really two-way street. You learn something and you tell me your story and I learn something or or maybe we get into a business transaction. But always make your community feel cared. And then comes the third one is experience. So what does your website look like? If, if now, and there's a really good practice, I mean, we can share the screen, but a really good practice of mine is um, go to your website and just zoom out. So zoom out of your so in your web browser on Windows control and minus key and then or plus key for zooming in, right? Or you can go to the settings and zoom that way. But zoom out your website to about 50% and see what is left. So why is this exercise good? It's good for two different reasons. First of all, if somebody is scrolling through your website they don't see everything. Imagine if you turn your head super quickly, you don't, you see a blur, you don't see everything in detail. And when somebody is skimming through your website content, what they're saying is they're seeing these headings. They are seeing just a paragraph um, of text. They don't know what the text exactly is. And maybe then they see images or some other visual clues. So this is the website of the VL studios. What you're seeing immediately is this huge heading, um, header with big images and slides and you see creative design and marketing boutique immediately know what the company does you see some highlights of some of our um, clients and then you see the client names and you see kind of what their industry is but that's it right you don't really read any more information and you have huge images Um, another reason why this exercise is really good is when you build your website um, and if somebody's now skimming through your website, scrolling through super quickly, you want to make them stop at some point. So what are these elements that make people stop scrolling? Again, something visually intriguing or a big heading. 
And my suggestion here is also, I see a lot of clients of mine who are, you know, who, who post like a title as a title um, saying like, oh, about us or our mission. And I say, no, 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 no. Use the big heading bold text. That is really the only visible text that you have. If you're scrolling through fast, you don't see paragraph text really well, or you don't read it. Um, use that big portion of your site to already start telling a story. And another client of mine is actually a good example of this, uh, the Viking Beauty Secret. So that's an organic skincare brand. Mm, and if we go to their website, immediately what we see within seconds, we know it's a certified organic skincare you know, products brand immediately. And then you can read more and the you know text below says, oh yeah, and it's from the lands of Northern Europe. And then you can go to the products. Call to action is right here. You scroll down, you immediately know it's Nordic perfection, right? And then you have the company definition. Viking beauty products are made using ingredients. Then you scroll down, you immediately know that, oh, they're made out of antioxidant super berries. And you see what the berries are. So that's going to make you stop. Again, a regular person is not going to read exactly how are cloud berries best for you. But some people see cloud berries and they love cloud berries. And they're like, well, you know, what could cloud berries do to my skin or what, what does it have? Like, what, why are you even using? And then they read, yeah, cloud berries have twice as many vitamin C than, you know, oranges and loaded with vitamin E. And then he talks about omega-3 and omega-6 um, qualities. And then you see products. Again, products easily, you know, you, you're going to stop and click. Um, and, and again, here we have a heading that says all products are certified with EcoCert Cosmos um, organic certif- uh, certification. And that's really all you need to know. If you want to go more in depth, you're going to read about, okay, what does this particular ingredients, uh, ingredient, uh, what does it do? Um, but if you're not interested, you still get the grasp of it. And that's really, that's really the main point here. So zoom out. And another good tip of mine is um, an even better way of doing this is, for example, you can install um, like a screenshot plugin to your browser that lets you take a screenshot of your whole site. And then once it's taken, so it, it scrolls automatically your whole website. Once you have that image, again, either squint your eyes or zoom out and look at what's left. And this is really the rhythm that you're building with your own website. And when we look at this Viking Beauty Secrets here, you see that on top you're looking in the left side, then a person who is text-oriented is gonna continue reading on the left side. A person who's more visual, they're gonna turn and look to the right. Then it goes to the center and, and your eye will kind of scan through horizontally that section. And then the next one is again horizontal. So you have equal options of all the four products because they're equally you know, good or equivalent to each other. Um, and your, your eyes already used to this kind of scanning motion. And then you're going back to the left. So, so this really would give you a good sense of you know, how to build a user experience that helps you tell a story and helps you guide your visitors through a certain story um, in your own terms. Um, so use, yeah, tips, use every single heading opportunity you have because they're the largest part of the, your screen. Have visual content, create visual rhythm, check that rhythm by either zooming out or taking a full screenshot. Um, and then, you know, 
never never think of this web experience as being in vacuum because it is always a step two before something else. Either they're coming from their email, your email, in which case your email is already the first step to introduce your brand, or they're coming from your social media, which means your social media needs to harmonize with that web presence, or they're coming from elsewhere. But website is very rarely the first step. There's always something else before. And and that's why in the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned holistic branding. That's kind of what I mean by this. It's making sure that every single first point of contact um, accelerates and, you know, accelerates the motion of, you know, I want to discover a brand as opposed to, you know, pushing you away. So it needs to accelerate and harmonize with the experience you're building in web. And then the last part, the fourth part is obviously call to action. So then you have to figure out, okay, so what do I want the visitor to do? Is it to contact me? Is it to immediately, you know, sign up to consultation Um, and how to make that as easy as possible and bear, you know, how the web experience leads to that, leads to that contact uh, call to action. So, you know, that, that again, depends on your business. Like in my case, like I told you, you know, what we did this year is we introduced, you know, these, uh, the the consultations and what we did immediately was we set up an automatic consultation kind of online booking uh, portal, just because I know how annoying it is when you have to send a contact us email to get a consultation. So, you know, that, that was kind of our last step, like, you know, we're making this call to action more efficient and people are going to sign up more um, if I'm not standing in their way. So that's really the last part, but the experience is what leads um, onto this. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, a, uh, you actually said that um, this really is working. Like you have uh, weekly new clients coming on board because of that. Yeah. They're coming on board because, because they don't and and when i created the company one of the first things that i told to my co-founder at the time was i don't want to create a web design company that's going to generate sites that's just going to generate good looking sites doesn't matter how good they look i always wanted to be a little bit more involved in the story and make sure that i read well that i learn and i listen and um, i get to know the business model that you know my client has so that i could provide an experience and, and assist them um, and, and build this brand or refine the brand in the online landscape um, and, and, and make it, you know, build it in a way that supports their business model um, as opposed to, yeah, just coming up with nice sites. Because at the end, there will be a time and there are already platforms that are, you know, computer intelligence generating you sites and, and they, they're not bad. I mean, some of them look design-wise, they look great. But to those, excuse me, to those platforms, like know your business model, know your target audience, know the different marketing channels that you're using and, and you know, where they're the inbound traffic channels that, that you're using, probably not. And, and that's exactly the, the issue that I want to, you know, address and, and help people with. So it's a real personal, customized, yeah, um, yeah experience. Mo- most of most of the time, it's a custom, custom built, custom built experience. Like now, I'm working on a, you know, whole media portal, and what we talked about was how they're, you know, moving from from print media to um, to online, you know, web only um, media kind of business model. And, and they already have a website, but we, we talked very long about how to generate 
income and how to build a portal that would help also their current subscribers to adjust to this new form factor because the, they already have a site and the information is there and they could even do some, you know, advertisement placements and all stuff like this. But what they've seen is that their previous readers do not convert necessarily over and people don't really, and some people even don't subscribe at all because they don't see much value. So how are we building a website that is, that keeps people interested in coming back. And, and what we talked about even was, for example, article like release strategies, because before they would do weekly or biweekly papers and they would just push out articles all at once. And I was like, let's, let's talk about this because if we're building a website that essentially thrives when people visit on a daily basis, then your current business model doesn't work with this. We can build a different website. We can build a website that kind of looks like a magazine, um, almost like these, uh, I don't know if you know, but there are these like magazine apps, right, where you swipe through. Um, and it's super nice user experience, but but that wouldn't then help them generate more income or more subscribers. So I was like, well, let's let's talk about this and see, you know, could we maybe release the articles online um, every day, like two or three articles, and we can schedule them. And we can also build integrations where, you know, immediately when an article is posted, an automated system will then generate a fully branded newsletter that automatically goes out to all subscribers. Um, so, you know, just making your life easier and understanding that not every company, especially when it comes to small, small and medium-sized companies, they don't have hundred people working on their social media, you know, strategies. So how can we automate some of these tasks um, and how can we, make this experience a smooth transition as opposed to just saying, well, the new, you know, the old print magazine or newspaper is gone and now we have online and you either switch over or you don't. And based on experience, the percentage of people who's going to switch over willingly is it's, it's going to be small um, or relatively small, depends of the audience. Um, so, and we want to get that, push that to, you know, as high percentage as we can. So that's why that's what what I'm doing through the consultation Mm -hmm. and then the brand building, which is really quote based projects where you come in with a certain, you know, question, certain task, either it's web design, graphic design. um, That's that's a quote based offering. And then the third part of the business is brand acceleration, where on a monthly basis, we either manage your marketing channels or we manage your advertising or we optimize your advertising or things, things like that. So those are kind of, subscription package based um then we have quote based work and then consultations yeah really amazing and i think what you touched here um is very important that uh, in the uh, chaos and transformation and transition where we are and confusion we are actually all obliged to look into our habits and behavior yeah. and uh when you look at you know how people have been used to read newspapers or connect to the news the old way and where it's mm-hmm. going now, it's like um, you can resist, but you know this is where the world is going. So, yeah. like this morning, I had um, a little performance in Estonian TV, and we did it just through Skype. Like yeah, it's yeah. like I don't need to be there in physical presence. 
Of right. course, it's nice, right. but we can do it this way. So, right, yeah. and and also also figuring out another thing that I would say to that is is not just adapting, but figuring out how we can eliminate the technical barrier because I think that's the reason why a lot of people don't want to do Skypes or they don't want to do Zoom or they don't want to you know have a website because they feel the technology takes so much work and effort. Um, that, you know, it's, it, it takes away the, the kind of authenticity and genuine approach. And, and that's exactly my, you know, kind of what I, what I love doing is, is figuring out how can we, you know, build these platforms and brands that encourage more real life interactions rather than discourage that. Um, and how can we build a newspaper that is community driven and that makes you feel like you're still part of a, local community subscription as opposed to, you know, the last example, right, the media newspaper site, um, as opposed to them kind of dictating to you that, oh, you have to read or this is what you're supposed to read. Um, so it's, I think it's something we're going we're gonna to see a lot of innovation in this area um, of how technology can become a little bit less visible um, and, and more intuitive, more genuine, authentic, direct um, but, but yeah, until, until then, I mean, we, we, we got to work with what we have. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think yeah. it also almost feels like it's, um, turning into this, um, on the energetic level, like the dance of the masculine and feminine, mm-hmm. because, uh, companies and businesses, which are just forcefully like saying to their users or fans, like, this is how you need to do it they are not going to be successful. The ones as you are now inviting them, like, okay, how can we do it differently? How can we do it softer? That's the feminine. And I think that's where also the world is probably heading to. So, And there are different use cases. I mean, obviously you don't want your Chase Bank to be community run or, I mean, I, I, I honestly have a credit union account open. So I love that, but you don't want the website to feel like it's community run. So there, there are places where in certain industries where having that sort of rigid um, structure provides better experience because it, it communicates trust and authority and, you know, and that's important. And then there are other businesses where, where it's the opposite. And, and that's why I don't, that's why I said I don't like generating websites because I want to get to know your business and the essence of it so that I don't make something that's, you know, exactly like you said, that's masculine, but then you're providing, I don't know, therapy. Um, and, and while therapy for men, I have actually a client of mine that's only for men. Um, it, it, it's an interesting case study again, where it's like, well, the aesthetic needs to appeal to men and it needs to have a certain level of, I don't know what to how to word this. Maybe more masculinity, or like it needs to be a little bit authoritative. But mm, then the maybe topics appeal, appeal, like yeah, appeal, it needs to yeah. appeal. But then the the buttons and the the overall, you know, the language there is so personal. So it needs to be a place where, you know, when when that man goes to that website, feels like okay. Uh, it's, it's something I can trust and, and trust is very different for different people. Um, and, and it's also different in different cultures, which is another big thing, but then still feel like, Oh, it's, it's, it's a site where, you know, I I'm going to contact and I'm going to write in the contact box that, Hey, I'm not feeling good. 
um, because you're not going to open up if the site looks like it's, I don't know, Wells Fargo and be like, hey, I'm, you know, going through this right now. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting kind of topic and I love exploring those things and, and making sure that because user experience, that the experience is right for the industry and that the aesthetic then provides the necessary kind of emotional response. And that's the other why the Zoom exercise is so nice that, you know, do a big screenshot of your site, send it to your friend and, you know, ask them, look at it for 10 seconds and then take it away from far away, right? Zoomed out, look at it for 10 seconds, take it away and then ask, you know, what would you feel if you saw a site like this? No, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great, it's a great, great exercise. And it really tells you what the aesthetic translates um, because the experience you don't see, you don't see what the menu items are when it's so small, but just the aesthetic already like communicates so much to so many different people. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do and that's my passion. And, and if anybody wants to have a personal consultation, they can contact me and, and yeah, after this podcast. Thank you so much. It's like, so exciting every time to communicate with you or do anything so I'm so honored to have you in my circles and now to wrap up I have one more question so imagine now we are maybe uh, down the line like 100 years later from this moment so uh, what would be the um, legacy you Vale would like to leave behind uh, once you are done with this human temple of yours (laughs) Oh, Lordy, I don't know. <laughs> That's not a question I got beforehand. Um, funny. Um, it's, it's odd because my work is so much behind the scenes, right? But then yet again, me as a persona, I tend to be quite out there, right? So like occasionally I would write an opinionated article or something. And, and, and that's, I think that's the, the weird thing about me that I don't know exactly how to say. Well, is it, is it the projects? I think it's the fact that that I'm spreading this kind of belief that I personally hold very, you know, dearly. Um, and and whatever work I do, I try to also make sure that it doesn't really do harm to humanity. Kind of like that, I I can proudly say that every single client that I've that I have on an ongoing basis. I mean, there's always some other projects, right, that you're working on because work is work kind of. Um, and and obviously I'm not, through my work, I also don't dig into, you know, I, I, I did this Indian corporate, you know, client did some designs for them. Uh, obviously I don't know anything about their, you know, specific business model and all that stuff. So so that's not as intimate connection, but at least I really hope that the, the smaller clients that I sometimes work with, um, that there's that I'm, I'm proud of kind of what they represent and I'm excited about this and then that people will find them um, and be kind of positively somehow impacted. Um, because I think so many people do do great stuff. Like <laughs> there's just so, so much great happening. It's just, you know, not everything is for everybody and not everybody's interested in everything and that's totally fine. Um, but, but we can all stay like respectful. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that legacy would be. I think it's just the impact of the various projects that I've done or various things that I've done. And I hope that people, I, I hope it made an impact or contribution 
because one person can change the world, but we all make a contribution through time. Um, and, and I hope that whatever I've done has kind of, again, set in motion certain wheels and that then somehow either, you know, I've pushed them a little bit quicker and faster moving forward or, or that somebody else keeps pushing them, just like set this kind of, you know, motion um, going. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have very high expectations for that. <laughs> just, just live your life that you don't regret what you do. And, and, and I, think, I think that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I was trying to figure out like, what words to use to wrap it really up, uh, what Wallet is about. And um, this, this little thing came up. So I'll share it with you and then you'll confirm if that feels mm-hmm. right and resonates. So um, it's basically like you are dealing with the art to build bridges between the digital and human existence and then also teaching humans how to package that digital from the human into digital. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. That's exactly creating these brand brand experiences because a brand is never just a logo it's never just a website it's always an experience and it's something that impacts people and just building them in the digital world and then hopefully making a difference through that in the real world because they're becoming so intertwined anyway so that's that's exactly what i do (laughs) yeah Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And um, we will put all the additional links um, below the uh, in in this uh, podcast in the notes. And if people want to reach out, um, they will have all the details how to do that with you. So um, absolutely. And and let's let's see what we can put into that folder. Maybe we can also put some links for like search engine optimization or whatever could be useful. Yeah, yeah, like a little gift and they can always contact yeah. me. So yeah. thank you so much for having me. Thank it's you. been so fun. Thank you. <laughs> and all the best with all your projects. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. And um, to all the listeners, I just remind you that um, to really support our podcast, please always remember to like, share, subscribe and review. And of course, always let us know um, if there are some other things, how we could co-create or make things better. Thank you so much for your time and see you soon, later, already next time. Mahalo.